0: Hi guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. I'm Megan. And I'm Jackie. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing my sister-in-law, Rachel. Hi. We're so happy to have her on. And we are going to be talking today about sex work and whether or not it is empowering. It's kind of a hot topic nowadays. um, Everybody has lots of opinions on this and it somehow keeps coming up in conversations so we wanted to talk about it uh rachel why don't you just start us out by telling us a little about who you are what you do what you studied just kind of give us a little intro
1: yeah thanks megan so i am rachel and i went to moody bible institute in chicago i got a degree in ministry to victims of sexual exploitation And then, since then, I've been working in that field. Currently, I'm working for an organization in the Chicagoland area that works with survivors of sex trafficking. Um, They were originally intended to work with just minors, but I was hired to work with the new program that they're starting with young adults. So I'll be a case manager for 18 to 25-year-olds that are working towards independence after coming out of a life of sex trafficking. So to start out, can you define sex work for us? Yeah, so sex work can mean so many different things. Um, As a general description, sex work can be any sexual or even erotic act that's exchanged for money or really any other form of payment. So that might be food or shelter, clothing, anything like that. So examples can look like anything from like a non-sexual date Which we know as an escort um, to any kind of pornographic photos, phone sex, stripping, or sex for money.
0: I think that's really helpful to kind of start this out with that definition because so often, unless you are well versed in this area, You might just think of kind of like the movie idea of like a prostitute or something like what our media has portrayed. And so it is important to note that a lot of times it's not just like a stripper in a club or someone meeting up with someone in a hotel room. Like there's a large variety of ways that this is kind of worked out.
1: Definitely. And it's interesting because especially here in the United States, there are certain things that we would consider sex work that are legal and certain things about sex work that are illegal and that varies by state and even by country. Mm.
0: Yeah I think we definitely want to kind of touch on that later um but before we get there um something that's kind of trending now is this whole like save our children like trafficking is really being brought into kind of Mm. mainstream thought and it's getting a lot of um voice, which is good. This is like a really important issue. Um, but I think that brings into the conversation is sex work always connected to trafficking or abuse or rape. Um, because people either, they'll kind of fall on one extreme or the other Mm -hmm. thinking that it's always that that's the case or it's never. So in what ways would you say it is connected?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's a really big question. So, um, In short, sex work is not necessarily always connected to trafficking, abuse, or rape. However, there are many ways that it is connected. So, just to give you a general definition of trafficking, um, trafficking would be any kind of sex work that a child is involved in. No matter what that is, if it's a minor, it is considered trafficking. If it's an adult, it's any kind of sex work that the adult is doing against his or her will um, that has been brought upon by force, fraud, or coercion. And so those are, those are the easy definitions for trafficking. Um, now, there are people that call themselves renegades, and those are adults who engage in sex work, but they do not work for anybody. So meaning they don't have a tra- trafficker, Um, otherwise known as a pimp so no one is forcing them to do what they're doing um, and they're not having to pay anybody um, and a lot of these people are people who would say that they're choosing to do this Um, that might be something that we get into more later um, but that is what a renegade is called however what, what is very interesting is that sex work when a purchaser does not pay for it, regardless of what it is, it is legally considered abuse or assault. And so that's something interesting because obviously if someone is engaging in a sexual act and they're being paid for it, if that person doesn't pay them, then legally it's sexual assault. Mm. So that's something interesting to keep in mind as we have this conversation um, and thinking about is it empowering (laughs) and what the implications might be for that. Um, But I think the biggest note that I would want to make on this question specifically is that there are so many studies that show that both women and men, but we know the majority of people engaging in sex work are women, the majority of them experienced childhood sexual abuse growing up. So that number ranges based on the study between 70 to 90 percent. So I'll just give that number and say my belief falls in somewhere around there. Um, And so even if somebody identifies as a renegade, someone who's choosing to do this, I would still push it further and consider the fact that there is a pretty good chance that they experience sexual abuse while growing up.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have a little bit of experience in this area. For a year, I worked um, with a ministry called Emmaus, which was oh, cool. administered to yeah men that were in survival prostitution and victims of sex trafficking. Most of them were victims of sex trafficking, as mm-hmm. you said, because they were kind of dragged into sex work when they were before they were 18. So when that definition changed, they kind of had to come to terms with that they had been a part of trafficking. Yeah. But as a part of that, I my staff and I, we were invited to this play that was being put on to bring awareness about trafficking, and they had interviewed some of our staff members. And in the crowd, there were some people that were upset because it didn't make enough of a distinction between sex work and trafficking. Mm. And there were people in the crowd that had done, like, when well, they were on Grinder, and they had met up with... I don't know, someone on there, and they were paid for sex or whatever. That was the situation. And they were comparing it to the same thing as, like, going and waiting tables. They're like, it's the same thing. I go mm-hmm. and have sex or whatever, and I get paid, and I pay my bills. Yeah. So how would you respond to people saying that sex work is real work in the sense that it should be considered a, a job?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, again... um, That's a very controversial question and I think that would depend on who I'm talking to, obviously, but um, I think where I would start is just what do you mean by real work Mm -hmm. is what I would ask someone because sure we could consider anything that you do to get money for it like we could consider that work because Mm -hmm. that's how work goes that doesn't necessarily mean that it's your best option that doesn't mean it's your only option that doesn't mean it's the healthiest option Um, so some countries have legalized sex work in an attempt to regulate it and to give sex workers rights so In these countries, there are a lot of European countries, um, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and some other countries that have legalized it. So they definitely consider sex work to be real work. Um, But it hasn't been as effective. It hasn't done what they had hoped it would do. And so by this standard, um, making it real work really hasn't helped anything it hasn't made it safer it hasn't made it healthier so in short it may be a real option um but it I would say in no situation is it a healthy option either physically emotionally socially it's not a healthy option
2: Mm
0: -hmm. you keep bringing up you know it's not a healthy option or that there's dangers or things like that um and I think one that immediately comes to mind is me to me is just the the effect that this is having on men and how they view women Mm -hmm. and I just feel like I've always had the opinion that even if it feels empowering isn't this teaching men to view women as commodities so what would kind of be your response to that
1: Absolutely. I think it's definitely teaching men to view women as commodities. I think it's teaching women to view other women the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if a woman, you know, regardless of a woman's beliefs about this, the big word is normalizing. So the more we make this a normal option, the more that's how our brains are going to work. So we're going to see A woman dressed in a certain way on a billboard and every time we see that it changes the way that our brains work like the way that our brains are physically formed Mm -hmm. so I think the biggest example of normalization that I can think of that related to me on like the smallest scale would be like if you grew up in a home where your parents didn't swear say you grow up in that and maybe they swear like occasionally like when they're angry or whatever but you know when that happens it's a big deal but say you go to middle school and your friends start swearing well that's shocking like that's super shocking it's confusing but the more and more you hear that the more normal it becomes and then eventually this person that grew up in a home where there was no swearing might start swearing at school And something that they would have thought they would have never done becomes something they do regularly. And I don't mean to say that normalizing means that everybody's going to act on it in any way. That was just the most basic example. But I do mean to say the more we see something and the more we experience something, the more normal and acceptable it becomes, regardless of what that thing is. Um, So, yes, I think it absolutely encourages everybody to view women Mm -hmm. as commodities even by the definition of a commodity being something that can be bought and sold, like it is making women's bodies commodities. Um, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's a huge reason as to why it's not healthy because it's not healthy for women's minds. It's not healthy for men's minds. Um, it's not healthy for children's minds even to be seeing these advertisements and hearing about these things being so normalized, knowing that, You know a five-year-old could be growing up constantly seeing these things it's not gonna be shocking which is really unfortunate and a lot of what we hear around this idea of
2: sex work is that it's empowering it yeah instills a sense of self-worth self-confidence and self-esteem i mean it's becoming a normal option the same thing as having like a youtube channel there's the OnlyFans. have you Mm -hmm. heard of that yeah where girls will post like nude photos of themselves or them doing whatever but it's you know people pay for it to see their them doing sexual things whatever they want and it's Mm -hmm. seen as empowering that they're making money this way so how would you respond to that
1: yeah i would say that's that's definitely a very common thing that people will claim um but i would say that it is a false sense of self self self-confidence and even autonomy um so really it is maybe making someone feel more confident just like social media might you get a like on your photo you get a hit of dopamine that's how our brains work so if someone sees a photo and says oh you're so sexy or any other kinds of examples that will make a person feel confident you know um it may make them feel empowered but again i think it's a false sense of empowerment because it's not empowering a person either man or woman based on their talents or their abilities or things they've learned to do or personality traits that are strong or characteristics, it is simply empowering them to continue, in in many cases, not in every case, but to continue to exploit themselves when they have been exploited in the past. Mm. So I know even with many of the women that I've worked with who have come out of sex trafficking, um, they were victims of sexual exploitation as children. And so something that their traffickers would say to them to kind of justify what they were asking them to do would be like, hey, you've been doing this your whole life. Why don't you do it and get paid for it now? And that does feel like autonomy. It's saying I hated when this was happening to me when I was younger, but now I can do it and I can get paid for it. I can take control of the situation. And again, it's just such an unfortunate false sense of control but um, I also find it very interesting when I have um, worked with women that are currently working on the streets they we really need a sense of autonomy in order to survive Mm -hmm. and so the women on the streets whether they know the truth or not, are telling themselves that they're choosing to do it because that's what they need to do to, to survive what's happening to them. So that's not necessarily something that we want to rip away from someone in the moment until they are ready to go through whatever healing they need to go through um, from whatever they've experienced. So that's a really good question, that's a question that has so many layers.
0: Yeah, and that's important to bring up, too, kind of the realistic element of it, of Mm -hmm. these women who, it is a sense of survival for them, whether they're doing it to get out of poverty or because they've been kind of ingrained in this lifestyle, Mm -hmm. or it is, like like you were saying, their only real way of feeling like a person when that's been stripped away from them. Um, But I feel like so often when this conversation comes up or when it's in popular culture, that's not the picture or image that's being put yeah. forth it is a very glorified mm-hmm. you know we have movies of these strippers or not to like be controversial but like cardi b is like really out in the public eye yep. like making these music videos where she's basically nude or is nude and has been very vocal about her past as a stripper yeah. and people especially young girls are looking up at that and glorifying it this lifestyle is like so glamorous mm-hmm. so what are some dangers that you see in that glorifying of this yeah. industry
1: man that's so tough because that's even further than desensitization or normalization that's glorifying this right. and mm-hmm. so that's something that's so disturbing to see and quite frankly Kind of scary to see, um, both for men and women. I don't think, I think men and women are affected differently mm. in these situations, but I would firmly say that men and women are both affected by this. Um, yeah, like you said, it's kind of already here, like glorifying this lifestyle, these jobs, as some may say, um, is already happening but I think just like we were talking about with normalization it's so dangerous because it's teaching that this is not only a valid option but this is a good option right and really like ask a doctor like a medical doctor this is not a healthy option Mm -hmm. no matter what forms of protection are used um this job is one of the few that you can go into and come out significantly less healthier Mm -hmm. from working in it um i think we're gonna see an increase in exploitation because it's justifying this work it's saying i'm doing this because i want to do this because i feel empowered by it but really really these people um these people that feed into the sex work or recruit people for sex work, they target vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not targeting the people that grew up in stable homes. It's not targeting the population that feels confident. And so it's going to be an increase in exploitation, specifically of vulnerable populations, which is just a horrible cycle because so many people don't listen to vulnerable populations in general. So the exploitation of vulnerable people on top of it becoming just a normal, everyday, valid option for anybody is, is quite frightening, actually. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So you brought up exploitation a lot. Can you define exploitation for us, and what ways does sex work exploit
1: Women and men. Yeah, definitely. So I think just a basic definition of exploitation would be the unfair benefit that someone gains from another's work. However, um, the World Health Organization defines sexual exploitation as actual or attempted abuse of a position of vulnerability, power, or trust for sexual purposes including but not limited to profiting monetarily socially politically from the sexual exploitation of another so yeah those are the, those are the definitions of sexual exploitation um, so yeah sexual exploitation puts women in danger again women and men boys and girls but specifically children and women in in danger physically and emotionally Mm, like we've mm -hmm. touched on so much um this is not a healthy option but because it's glorified it's the damage that this is doing is being ignored and it's going to continue to be ignored um and again it's because sexual desire is the demand Mm. and that's never going to go away so this is an issue that I don't believe will ever go away. I think people can become more aware of it um, and understand it better, but I think the demand will always be there. And unfortunately, the supply will always be there because people prey on vulnerable people. So whether that means someone who has experienced sexual abuse growing up Because that has such a profound impact on how a person develops. It has a profound impact on the physical brain. Um, It has a profound impact on how people trust and how people understand danger. Like, childhood sexual exploitation really fuels trafficking, further exploitation, um, the sex work field. I would say... That's the biggest way because mm. it perpetuates the exploitation that people have been experiencing their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that's such a sad reality check. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think so So often we're somewhat flippant about that. Like people will say like, you know, sex work is the oldest profession. Yeah. Or it was the first job. Right. And I always yeah. respond with like, eh, more like the oldest oppression. Yeah, Um.
1: that's true. I've never heard that. I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's such a an important thing to bring up that this is something that on this side of heaven will probably always have to be mm-hmm. fighting against and rescuing people from and speaking truth towards um, because our culture is steadily becoming even more and more sexualized. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned childhood sexual abuse um, and poverty um, as some reasons why people would enter this kind of lifestyle. And I know even from a smaller standpoint, I have seen some of that in just the work I've done as like a client advocate with women facing unexpected pregnancies. It was very common that women who were either prostituting themselves, like you were saying, you know, like as a renegade, you know, doing it on their own terms, um, but also people who were being pimped and things Mm -hmm. like that coming in because they had ended up pregnant and were seeking an abortion so, could you touch on that just a little more since you have more experience in this area? Why is it that a lot of people enter this lifestyle or maybe get drawn into it?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest, the biggest reason, again, is that vulnerability. So, it's anybody who, and this is not to say that anybody that grew up in a dysfunctional home is going to be in this situation. That's not what I'm saying at all but they are at a much higher risk of experiencing Mm -hmm. this. So that could mean anybody that grows up obviously being abused, anybody who grows up seeing someone in their family like their mom or even their dad being abused, um, people who grew up with alcoholic parents, Mm -hmm. even kids that come from the foster care system that are constantly going um, from home to home, they don't have stability, Really, the biggest indicator in how an adolescent is going to, quote unquote, turn out, meaning if they're going to be able to get a job, if they're going to be able to maintain housing or if they're going to end up in jail, is how many adult figures they have a healthy connection with. Mm-hmm. And so many of these young people that are in this vulnerable vulnerable category have little to no healthy adult Mm -hmm. connections whether that means there's no connections or there's no connections with a healthy adult both are very common situations um so i think people come into it in so many different ways but most people come in from vulnerable situations and most of that time it's because like you mentioned earlier they have bills to pay they have kids to feed And they might not have grown up with the opportunity to get an education or Mm -hmm. to know how to fill out a resume or things like that. And so, though it's obviously not something they want to do, they want to feed their family. So that might be it. Or someone might be lured in. So this is the coercion part where Mm -hmm. a pimp or a trafficker tells a young girl or even a young boy, like, I love you and I'm going to take care of you. And for a young person, not even necessarily a child, but even someone up into their 20s to hear I love you and I'm going to take care of you. And like we're on the same team, like people thirst for connection. And so connection is Mm -hmm. what draws people into this into this work as well. Um, Something that's so cliche, but is so true is that. Nobody who grows up in a stable, loving family, encouraging, um, nobody that grows up in that situation is going to say, I want to be in sex work. It's those people who don't feel they have other options. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a huge reason as to why sex work is not empowering. And it's so dangerous to say that it is because, sex work thrives on vulnerability it Mm -hmm. doesn't thrive on a person's skills or talents or strengths it thrives on vulnerability
2: yeah I agree with everything you're saying from my own experience of working with men that were in survival prostitution and sex trafficking and it's so true that a Most of these men would definitely admit, I don't want to do this. I'm doing this to feed my addiction, which, you know, is from Mm -hmm. other past trauma they've gone through or just to, you know, to survive, to eat. But there were some people we encountered that would say, I'm choosing to do this. Like, I have other options, but I'm choosing to do this. But every time if you looked at their past or their history, you can see things that happened to them that led to them making this decision that really maybe it wasn't a free choice you know they face some kind of abuse especially sexual abuse we saw that in almost I mean every man that we worked with but the men that we saw on the streets that would be yeah I'm I'm choosing to do this it's a free choice this is empowering to me Mm -hmm. and really really it was just feeding on their vulnerability and their wounds and the things that they had that happened to them in the past so that's for sure definitely so do you have any experiences like in this work that you would want to share with us or stories.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. Um there's so many I could share, but we would be here all day. Um I think one thing I do want to say after having said all of that about vulnerability and abuse and things like that is that the women I've worked specifically with women. So it's mm-hmm. awesome to hear about your experience with men. Um, I don't have that experience, but I used to um, work with a ministry that went out at nights to talk with, pray with women that were actively working on the streets. Um, I've worked in a residential recovery home for women that had been trafficked for a year and a half. And like I said, I'm back in a very similar position now. Um, but something that has continued to impress me about these women is their resolve mm. and I think that's something that maybe should have been more obvious to me but a woman who um is willing to go out and and do these things to feed her kids or to feed herself or whatever the case may be um she's doing it out of the strength that she has mm-hmm. and so I I remember one woman, (laughs) specifically, in my first year of doing the street outreach, and so I was nervous. We would go out to some very dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago in the middle of the night. Um, We were always as safe as we could be about it, but there were still dangerous situations. And one woman we were talking with, she loved when we showed up. She would always tell us... um, And she would admit, like, I talked to you for 15 minutes and that's $20 that I could have made, but I'm Mm -hmm. sacrificing that time because I want to talk to you guys. You just um, encourage me to get through the night. But something that impressed me so much was that on one particular situation her pimp came up and kind of tried to intimidate all of us and she looked him straight in the eyes and said excuse me can you see that I'm talking here oh and we were so surprised um Mm -hmm. so I just say that to really highlight the strength of of these women that I have worked with I know I talked so much about vulnerability and I believe that um that that is true but i think there are certain things that that breed strength in people as well and Mm -hmm. i could share so many different stories of um strength even someone women that i've worked with who have faced very intimidating situations like um writing a victim impact statement to Mm -hmm. explain what their trafficker did to read that in front of a court a judge a jury and her trafficker Um, Mm -hmm. This one woman that I'm thinking of that wrote that victim impact statement, her her trafficker, and this may have been an intimidation tactic, it may not, but when she finished reading the, re- the letter, he clapped as well, um, oh. just because ev- everybody was clapping and everybody was crying because it was so well written, mm-hmm. and she was a young woman, and... Obviously, it was so difficult for her to read that to a crowd, but she felt so empowered after that. And I just think when I hear people say how empowering sex work is, Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of these moments where the women I have worked with have felt truly empowered. Mm -hmm. And I just want to like share those experiences with people instead of people Mm -hmm. continuing to believe that sex work is what's empowering.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness, that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like because it it truly shows that she was having that autonomy that you were speaking of earlier. Yeah. You know, that she finally had control of her life. Yeah. That she was seeing her value and that is so beautiful. And it's something I've seen with women coming into our pregnancy center who were coming to us with a pregnancy that resulted from mm. those experiences that she had had just to see kind of the gears turning in her mind when she's looking at an ultrasound and seeing mm-hmm. like a unique human life and wow. realizing that that was inside her mm-hmm. and you know i just think of one particular story where it completely changed how she viewed her own life because she was seeing like this precious, vulnerable life that she had to take care of. And she had so much ownership now because she was like, no, I won't let people abuse me because now they're abusing this little person that I have to take care of. And how much more empowering that was to see instead of someone going to Planned Parenthood and getting an abortion and going straight back to their pimp and being put back in those situations. And I just, to see her take ownership of that and to have that light in her eyes yeah like you were saying you just want to share those kind of stories and that impact that goes
1: definitely yeah and it's important to remember as well that everybody has a different um, time frame of -hmm. healing and so someone may experience something over and over and over again. And studies show that it takes around seven attempts before a woman can actually leave her situation mm-hmm. and stay yeah. gone. But even that is just an average. So it may take one woman four attempts. It may take another woman 12. But regardless of that, when they do leave, that autonomy isn't gone. Right. And they have the ability to heal and come back to that and even come back even more stronger, even even stronger and okay. even more empowered. And I think that's an incredible thing because those women specifically have such a unique understanding of what it is to experience everything you experience in those situations. And they can so effectively help others through okay. that when they're able to heal. And I think that's so important and so incredible.
0: Yeah. For
2: sure. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. I know I learned a lot, even with the work I did. I did not know this much, but I'm so grateful for your experience and your words on this because it's something very close to my heart, working with victims of exploitation and trafficking and just seeing this being, I don't know, advertised as like a a good option and seeing the damage that it causes mm-hmm. and the trauma that people go through it's just good to know that there's people out there in this work you know helping these men and women and speaking up yeah because this is not you know it's not a good option it's destroying people's lives it's putting people in very dangerous situations as you know and I just want there to be more awareness about that for yeah, sure.
1: definitely thanks for having me and thanks for helping to raise awareness in this way i appreciate it yeah this
0: is a hard but really important thing to talk about and um, i would just encourage you um, as you're listening you know to ask people about this start this conversation maybe talk to people who have either are like rachel and who work in this or maybe who have experiences in this Um, i think it's just really important that we start bringing this out of darkness Um, I just think it's so interesting this picture of a lot of this takes place at night right and Mm -hmm. let's bring this topic out of darkness and shame and talking whispered behind closed doors and let's just bring it out in the light and talk about the harms let's talk about what's actually going on in these people's lives and what we can do to reach out and help them and yeah like Rachel was bringing up what true empowerment is and what that experience is like and so That's our heart in this, and that's why we want to talk about it.